Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the ABZ show, where today we have a very unique guest. I met Tamer almost 20 years ago, and I believe Tamer is one of the most creative people I've ever known. Tamer founded and launched Joe Bedoum. Hi, Tamer. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. So, Tamer, tell me more about you and tell me more about the story about Joe Bedou. Hi, I'm Tamer Masri, founder or co-founder of Joe Bedou. Um, basically, um, I've always wanted to do something in the creative scene. Um, traditionally, I'm a, like, or academically, I'm an international affairs specialist, uh, political economist, but um, and I, I worked quite a quite a few years in it. But my my real passion was always and forever was the creative. So um, my my high school friend and I, Michel Makdah, we came together and we we're like, let's let's do something that is something that we can have fun doing and seeing it evolve. So we wanted to really create a brand more than anything. And the brand to, to symbolize uh, positive energy more than anything. Uh, regardless of what shape and form it actually took at the end, um, I think that is just the core of our driving wh why we started what we started. Um, it wasn't about t-shirts, it wasn't about any of that. It was really just wanting to do something. And then we, the, the idea, by the back and forth just kept on adding layers and layers on top of the concept. And uh, so, so what started with let's do something and we wanted a brand that stands for positive energy became, hey, look, the West, we've been consuming Western pop culture for all our lives. Uh, we have culture of our own. Why don't we just do something with it? and uh see that that just that came on as a layer and then after we did that we're like okay so how how are we going to express it and it was oh t-shirts they travel a lot so that means the brand starts moving and people more and more eyeballs start seeing the brand and it's like humans are walking billboards and that's really what we wanted we just people to associate an ideology with a graphic aesthetic um, the, the ideology being um, what we call the veil of ignorance, which is a philosophy term, veil of ignorance, is how would you act if you enter the world without knowing any of the labels that you eventually learn in life? Mm. A veil of ignorance. So, I mean, how would you approach society if you didn't know, uh, didn't know who the person is? what they're from, what the color of their skin is, what their, what their gen gender, any of these labels. And how would you deal human to human from a veil of ignorance perspective? From, from this perspective, we developed the Jobedu philosophy. So the Jobedu philosophy is, uh, for, for this philosophy of veil of ignorance, we use it for our customer service. We, it became a core part of our essence, but it really came from one of the ideas that was the building block when we first came up with the notion of let's do something. Mm. But the, you, you see, but the, so the message here is, it's really just not, a lot of people ask me if, and you know, all these typical interviews, you know, how did you get the idea? We never got an idea. You get many ideas that build on each other. And that's, it's like your Megatron or your like, like your robot thingy. Sure. Sure. Cool. Uh, uh, and that's intertwined with who you become as you discover this journey, uh, th this story as well. 
I, I think I remember the first time you me you even printed a T-shirt and went to Sukh Jara. Sukh Jara, yeah, which is a Friday market here in Amman, and that's where we sold. And we didn't even have a brand name. We didn't have anything, man. You know, we didn't. We weren't associated with the Camel Crossing sign. It was like, hey, look, it's these people with the Camel Crossing sign. No, nobody knows who who the hell we were. Yeah, we I... were. We, we landed it somewhere and uh, Michelle and I we used to sit, stand behind the booth and people would come up and point at the t-shirt and laugh. They don't know me. They don't know me. They don't know. There was no name like billboard thing. There was zero recognition. We're talking 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, not... I, I remember I was a part of that. And I remember me and you once got into an argument. I think the yeah. month you launched saying, uh, you know, I want to build this brand. And I told you, I don't think you're a brand yet. And then we went on like, like, I think we argued for two hours. And and then, you know, obviously, bravo for everything that you've done. You've, you've genuinely built you. something very, um, you know, a part of society. I, I genuinely, especially in, a, in Jordan, at least, you know, you have a cult following generally. So I genuinely loved what you just said about, you know, how you really wanted to build this because you thought that there was an area that you can definitely, you know, explore and actually, uh, you know, push off to the to the whole world. I know, you know, I know a lot of people that I, I work with have this whole global, uh, you know, uh, vision. You know, they're not super local, and and I think people who 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 know me and who who worked with me, they know I'm not a very local person, and that's why I've lived in so many different cities. But but let's go back just quite a bit. And I, I know you said that you, you went to school for political science, right? But what made you, like, what triggered you to say, you know what, I'm done with this. Let me double down on Joe Bedou. From 2000 till 2011, I was the political public affairs officer at the Canadian embassy here in Amman, Jordan. Um, and there you were the coolest five years ever. Like I was, I was one of the luckiest people to be in the position that I was in at the age of 23, uh, was an insane uh, reality for me to live. It's a position where I, I used to deal a lot with um, the, the, the ambassador, the political affair, uh, the, the political secretary, the public affairs secretary. And I was exposed to quite a bit of things that, I, uh, that I'm very privileged to have been part of it. Not a lot of people who study political science end up seeing how the machine works. But yeah, I mean, like just being, under, uh, being there under the hood at the embassy, it, it gave me perspective on so much more that I would have not seen uh, if I didn't have that experience. So um, I, studied, I studied international affairs. My intention was to go study animation. I wanted to be uh, an animator, but I couldn't because there was no industry for it in Jordan. So why study something you can't come back and study uh, work in? So I ended up studying international affairs because that was my second like. While I was at the embassy, um, my work kind of drove me to start meeting a lot of young people who are doing awesome things. I met with a lot of these creatives in Jordan, uh, Ahmad Hamid, who was, he did Iqbis and like, he because we didn't have a really good YouTube here. So he did YouTube for us, Yalla Iqbis. And then the, he, he worked with uh, Karim and he did, um, uh, he did What With, which was a Twitter 
alternative for for locally. So a lot of people, George Akrao, who was the CEO of Ikbis, all of these people were doing stuff at the time mm. that were was in the creative space somehow in the building, whether the pipeline of like distribution of content or the or making the content that will go through these pipelines. Yeah, delivery. Yeah. I, I remember I remember those days. Those were like um, I, I call myself like a MENA entrepreneur 1.0. Yeah. I, 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 we, there was a bunch of us, even you know, from Jordan, and there was people as well, a couple of people from Lebanon and, and the UAE. And there was a lot of space to be, and there was a lot of creativity coming back then. Uh, we were limited with a couple of things A, cash, B, um, uh, talent, you know, and see some of the technologies were not ready to be scaled, you know what I mean? Like I remember- Exactly, exactly, exactly. I, like, know, I remember ICBIS, I remember ICBIS, but-, but remember It wasn't, it was and like if it, if it happened today with the connections that are today, it would be bought off by YouTube in an instant, but no connections were made. Nothing was linking all these decision makers with between innovators and investors and acquisition, none of this existed. So it was like the purity of just doing stuff. These guys did it without the 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 even the possibility of no wallah exit. They thought maybe I'll be big in my region. No, but today, were building today it. it's different, man. Today you today people build with a roadmap to exit. Yes, yes. And actually, that's one of the questions all investors ask. What is your <clears throat> what is your exit strategy? While people back then were building stuff for either because they can and B because of the need. And that yeah. that was a different, you know what I mean? And this is, yani, okay, I know we, we talk about, um, you know, I, I'm trying to keep this as less business as possible and more story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but this but, is part of the story. This is part of where, we, this is the ecosystem in which I came to start my business. So it's the givens that like, this is the premise of the story. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, and this is why uh, we want to talk about, there was a lot of people that built stuff just because they can and people mm. that built it because they wanted to. Let's talk more about, you know, the things that the journey of Joba do, you know what I mean? And what, what was the major learnings? What are things that, you know, and not say regret, but things that you thought that you could have done better? Uh, I could have done everything better. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Okay. But there is not a single thing that could have been have executed better. Uh, the only difference is that there is no way that you can get the same givens because the only way that I can do it better is because I know how I did it was turned out. With that sense, anyway, there's always zero regret. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but it's it's it, it has been one one epic journey um, in every sense. Yeah, like epic is not always just in the, in the epic they 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 get wounded, you know, quite quite bad. I can say something on your behalf. I think the roller coaster that you went through with your startup, because I was a part of a lot of that journey, uh, you know, and it, it is the definition of a pure uh, SME slash startup where there is a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows, right? And, yeah, yeah. and, and you know, people think, you know, the second they're going to open a tech thing or they're going to open a business, you know, uh, people will flock in. And that obviously was not proven with any businesses I've started, and I know Joe Bedu was no, the same thing as well. No, no, Joe Bedu, like the first, first problem that we had is that we grew digitally at an insane 
rate vis-a-vis -vis what operationally we can supply. Because digitally, like at the back in back in the day, and because we always have to go back to the day, it was 2007. Facebook just left Mark Zuckerberg's dorm room. Yeah. Jobedu was one of the first pages in Jordan. Uh, it was a group. It was the, one of the first groups in Jordan, and we had content to push on it. And Facebook wanted that to become prominent. On uh, it started showcasing to people. It's not the Facebook of today where you have to pay to see for your for your fans to see your stuff. It was relatively if market efficient from a marketing perspective to grow the brand and reach as many eyeballs as possible. I agree. Facebook, Facebook, it was the, the, the iPhone was a novelty item and Facebook was an app on this novelty item. It was everything was just geared towards you having ultimate visibility. I agree. But operationally, I could afford 400 t-shirts. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need to sell those 400 t-shirts to make another thousand t-shirts. I need to sell those thousand t-shirts to make another 8,000. And that's it. It's been like that since 2007. Some of the learnings is it would have been nice to have startup capital. Yeah. But the impossibility of it back then is I can't even ponder that. Back then, there was no such thing as an Arab fashion brand. Uh, back then, there were no suppliers. And you can't see suppliers in the QIZ that would never even think of looking at us. QIZ, Qualified Industrial Zone, it's where all the uh, factories are in Jordan. They wouldn't have thought, any, even given us any attention. And local manufacturers, there's the small ones, um, they won't give you payment terms. And they're going to give you insane prices. Anyway, the bank was not even an option unless you want to put your eyeball in as collateral. Nothing uh, would have worked out then. Uh, yeah, you know, for me to say, you know, I can't start this project until I get capital, it would have never happened. Today, there are enough people in the, in the market that suppliers now give payment terms as a competitive way to get business from each other because now there are multiple suppliers servicing the fashion industry in Jordan. Now, we, they, they don't see it as a, like they see us as a good player in the local market and they, they want to work with us to produce more. You know, today, it would have been easier to get capital because the, the whole industry was, looks different. So you had to break down a lot of doors and you had to seed the ecosystem. Everything from today was started with Joe Badu. Yeah. No, this happened by... Uh, this, it's not that... And then we locked out and someone really showed these people that there's an industry here. No, no we showed people that this works, this is of this is a viable business and the biggest challenge for me was how do i maintain a brand image with a distorted supply chain yeah i don't i don't, so, I, don't I remember a lot of stories you calling me saying yeah i don't have enough you know I don't have enough. No, but, but and our supply chain, our, our supply chain is nuts. So when we first started, we we produced at one local manufacturer. Then he went bust. So I had to go to India. So I went to India, and I we spent a, I spent a year in India basically, and we set up shop uh, with Tiru. We set up shop with Anand and Lakshman and uh, Gopal. All of these guys um, in in Tirupur. It was a nice factory, it was yellow. And we did our first three runs and then customs in Jordan raised uh, the customs on ready-made 
goods imports from 5% to 20% at the time in 2014, and then they made it uh, 30%. So it stopped being feasible for me to produce in India. I needed to produce locally. So, so you can see how, you know, without capital and you're bootstrapping, and these sidewinders were like thrown our way. You, you could not predict these things. And it's not like it's, well, you would have known that if you had your ear to the ground. No, it's... Uh, no, no, you know what? I'm gonna break my rule and say shit happens, right? So, you know what I mean? I know it's one of your, your one of your t-shirts as well. It says shit happens, but, um, but also keep in mind, like I wanna ask you, so, you know, I know you went through, you know, we're talking about all these, you addressed all these little issues in the supply chain and you were not only fixing your problems, you were fixing all of your competitors' problems as well. You know what I mean? Like, like Alhamdulillah. You know, that yeah. helped that because that helped us a lot at the end of the day yeah because you needed to build a whole ecosystem and, and I yeah. yeah 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 but what what do you think was the the point the pivotal point or the point where you believed okay now i think everything is running smoother than than i'm expecting i'm not gonna say smoothly but i'm just as smoother as but like what what was that infliction point that you said okay you know what now I think it's time for us to, you know, put the pedal to the metal, as they say. And I said, like, what do you believe that is? Uh, okay, that's a very good question. For the longest time, um, it always felt like we're reaching that point. But then another project gets thrown in to the mix that makes you need to take another, jump on another learning curve. So, for instance, uh, we in 2018 we decided in Nohalas we're gonna stop we're gonna set up our own factory. I want my, I want to control my supply chain. So we 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 set up a space and we got the fabric and we started. We I mean we we wanted to work, but then we signed with Disney. Mm. Our infrastructure was not, did not even have that remotely in mind. You know what I mean? And we, we wanted to control our supply chain so we don't face issues anymore. Set up a line. Uh, let's produce 500 t-shirts a day. Hey, Disney. Uh, that, so you felt like you're going to be stable. You have control. And then yalala, push, uh, push, uh, medal to the pedal, whatever the saying is. Um, uh, but then Disney happened. And then Warner Brothers, you know, we, the, 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 you know. Momentum. The momentum happened because that was that was uh, all like a, a whole set of new firsts. We're the first fashion apparel brand to work with these uh, with these amazing names. We're the first people to ever Arabize these characters for merchandising. Nice. Oh well, it was the first time it was ever written in Arabic. Nice. Uh, uh, like even even the discussions that we're having were like amazing like hulk we call him the green man no it's true it's true i agree so we, ha we ha so we had to have these conversations and can we please call him Akhtar? and we couldn't yeah. but i'm like that's that's how he's branded for us and like anyways so you see that was a no new learning curve now we're talking to the studios and uh with marvel we're talking to the new york office trying to know these little nuances for lucas for star wars we're talking with lucas art we're dealing with them with uh, before their next release we were part of their uh, episode nine in jordan 
that was not in our radar, yeah. but it was on our lap. So we, needed, so we needed to deal with it. <laughs> well, not only, and, it and these are good devi you know, deviations to the business because then yeah. you know what you wanted to do. So let, let me ask you this question. So what, what is, I asked this to a couple of people that we've interviewed, and what is your BHAG or Joe Bedu's BHAG? What's a BHAG? A BHAG is the big, hairy, audacious goal. Your 10 to 25 year goal. And an IP owning company. Okay. And that's and that's like both under the Joe Berry, or is that going to be a separate entity, or like like how how are you going to do that? Well, when I work with with uh, like a collab that we we did a collab with Sega, um, we, or do we did one with Hasbro now uh, for Transformers in Saudi. Um, there's so much value in IP, and it opens a lot more doors uh, for us in terms of we can license out the IP to other people in other industries that we do not really intend to enter as our, our core product. So Jovedu can remain as a fashion brand and we can have, or it would allow me even if I want to out, get out of the building and my fashion to license out my fashion to a, uh, uh, like how Iconic Group does it with Tommy Hilfiger. Sure, sure, sure. Stuff yeah. like that, like these big brand houses, that's what they do. Good stuff. So, okay, I'm gonna throw you a curveball question. This is something that we do. That wasn't a curveball, and the BHAG wasn't a curveball. No, no, that was just the curveball. That was an easy one, huh? The, no, actually, maybe the BHAG was your curveball. This one would be an easy one for you because I know you're a big comic book guy. So I say, yeah. if you have, if you were given a superpower, or you mm. would like to mimic a superhero, who would that be, or what would your superhero power be? And I had some really weird responses and some of them were super cool and some of them made me think. So what would that be? Well, okay. Definitely Xavier. Okay. Like tell people who Xavier is. Ah, who tell them who Xavier is. Ah, okay, so he is the uh, people, uh, he put the X-Men together and he's a telepath. Okay. Uh, ironically, a couple of people said I'm a telepath, but, but Dr. Xavier is definitely somebody that, uh, you know, you know, the whole genius aspect and putting together the collaborator, I would say, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a super cool, that's a super cool, uh, you know, uh, superhero as well, like my, mad respect for the for him and X-Men. Because we're getting to that time, would you like to give anybody uh, some advice? A free t-shirt? And if you want to do a free T-shirt, and by the way, well, uh, how about you get? How about everyone who watches the uh, the, the the ABZ so gets a discount? I'll pick a. Uh, shall I give you a permanent discount code that you can give all your viewers? You can give them a nice discount code. Yes, and definitely when we launch the merch store. So, Done. Um, okay, so definitely, definitely. So, but no, I I still want you to like give me your one sentence of wisdom for people who are. You know, you know what you went through in your last 14 years of the journey of your business. Always remember who you're doing this for. Okay, that's a honestly that's pretty straightforward, and I think that's maybe we should hashtag that. So, uh, and talking about hashtag, we do have a hashtag for the show. It's called hashtag Real Talk No Nonsense, uh, and 
again, thank you very much for coming on the show, Tamer. It was a pleasure having you. And uh, until next time, take care. Bye-bye.